This is Create the Next from Pro CFO Partners, where every week we explore strategies and ideas for financial management and growth to help today's businesses put their financial picture in context. Welcome back to Create the Next. I'm Chris Bentliff, and I'm joined today by Roy Ronecker of ProCFO Partners. And Roy, uh, it's an interesting time. It's an interesting uh, time of end of the year where we're kind of talking a lot about goals and strategies and what are we doing next year and how do we do this year? We've got an interesting sort of uh, economic climate and we've talked about that in lots of episodes. I think this is a good time uh, for some guidance from you on on refocusing our company or, or even uh, sharpening our focus. Uh, when we're in kind of changing market dynamics. And I wondered if you could kind of give us some some guidance on that, maybe from a managerial perspective, a leadership perspective, um, structurally, process-wise, systems-wise. Um, welcome to the show, and can you help us out? Okay, well, thank you. It's, ni- it's nice to have the opportunity to speak. I think Peter Drucker said it best when he said, in times of tur- of turbulence, the greatest risk is not from the turbulence itself. But it's to use yesterday's logic to try and solve today's problems. What I try and do with management teams is help them create what I call is a vision of success. Too many times a management team, they're so busy making sure their trains run on time that they lose sight of whether they should be running some trains at all or where best to lay new new track. So I get them through the process, which I call the five C's. And with that, not individually, but as a management team to discuss those five C's. The first is the c- customers. You start with the master customer list, but that's only the beginning. You really want to understand who your best, most profitable customers are and how can you go about getting more of those. Mm. Then you look at the company itself, and I, I call it you have four sources of capital in a company. You have your financial capital, which is your money. You have the human capital, which is the quality of your staff. They have physical capital, which is the capabilities of your your company to produce a product or a service. And the fourth is your intellectual capital. What do you do well? What really helps differentiate you from what your competitors are? The third C is your competitors. To honestly look at how do you stack up against your competitors? Where are you strong? Where are you weak? And not only what your competitors are doing today, but try and create a vision of what you think your competitors are going to do next and try and say, how is that going to have an impact on, on the firm? And how do I respond to that? The fourth C I call is your collaborators. Who do you do business with? Your suppliers, your accountant, your lawyer, all the people that support your business. How good are they? And how can you get more of them? How can they better support you as a management team and you as a firm to achieve success? And the fifth is the overall content. What are you doing as a business and what are the dynamics of the markets that you're involved in? I think the best example would be Toys R Us, world's largest retail is selling toys. They go on Amazon and what do they do? They taught Amazon how to sell toys. Within 10 years, Amazon had become the number one toy, the toy entity and Toys R Us went out of business. So that they didn't respond to a competitor or what the competitor was going to do. This is uh, incredibly valuable advice, uh, Roy. I love I love when we get really meaty kind of tactical, act, actionable, practical stuff that we can do. Let me back up to the very kind of start. And you said uh, a lot of management teams don't even necessarily know which train should be on the track at all. 
why is that? Is that should I be delegating somebody's job has to be to sort of understand the vision? Should the CEO be better in tune with the vision? Or why is it that so many management teams get stuck in the the minutiae of the motor and they lose because nobody sets out to do that? It just kind of seems insidious and it just sort of happens where all of a sudden we haven't stepped back to look at ourselves from a 10,000 foot view with these five very practical sort of lenses that you're sharing. What can I be doing from a management team to just improve or make sure I'm not uh, suffering from some of that? Well, I think you have to ask the hard question, not only of yourself as the leader, but of your management team. How do you source innovation in your firm? Okay. And that's not just the overall strategy for the business going forward, but in you developing new products or enhancing the serve the services that you offer. How do you consistently try and get your management team saying, how can we do this better, more cost effectively? The simplest strategy for a business, you break it down to one sentence, is how do we attract and retain a profitable customer? You don't sell a product or a service. You sell a solution. Mm. So what's the, comp- what's the customer solution? What's the customer problem that you're selling a solution for? And the broader you can get a definition around what customer problem you're solving, then you can enhance products and services to do that. I've seen a lot of management teams get tripped over what the plan, the goal, the strategy, they trip over all of it. The basic is what is the goal for the organization? And you really want to take a multi-year view of that. Then how is the strategy that I should have to implement that goal? And then once I have my strategy, what's the action or operational plan that I need to effectively implement the strategy that I plan to do? I think Steve Jobs said it best when you're doing that. Steve said, think differently, ask the bigger question. I mean, uh, Roy is dropping some some great knowledge from some Peter Drucker, the father of management and Steve Jobs. I think any podcast where we're throwing those two names in. We're already getting our money's worth. So you shared with us customers, company, competitors, collaborators, content. Is customers my first priority? Is that a list of prioritization? And and as you just shared, should I be really kind of asking what is the customer seeking from me before I can solve any of these other problems? Do I start there? Well, uh, you should start there, yes. But I mean, this when I talk about the five C's, that's when the company is trying. I'm working with the management team, trying to get them to create the vision of success. And success isn't just, I want X dollars in sales. You really got to try and define what you're trying to do as an an organization. And customers are a key component of that. But just as important is what is your customer retention strategy as an organization? A lot of people really don't think about that. They They spend so much time trying to get new customers that sometimes they don't pay enough attention to the customers they have. It's much easier to have an existing customer buy more from you than to get a new customer involved and to start selling to the new customer. And also, it depends on your line of business, but it's much more expensive to get new accounts than it is to service the existing customers you have. So as part of analyzing who your customers are, you want to look at not only who you have now and how do I better serve them, but who are my non-customers that maybe aren't using my product or service, and how perhaps could I fine-tune that a little bit to broaden who my potential customers might be. And then you also got to ask yourself a hard look at which customers do I not want? Which customers do you currently have that if you break it into customer profitability, there's such a drain on your working capital, your staff, that you really don't want them. 
Some firms say I want to fire 10% of my customers every year. I don't think you can set a percentage like that. But I do think if you put some diligence into customer profitability, then you can better say, which customers do I want to exclude? It depends on the business you're in. But a lot of the financial press has said that 20 to 30% of your customers generated about 150% of your profit. Then you have 20 to 30% of your other customers that generate about 50% of the loss. And then approximately half of your customers are effectively break even. So how do I get more better customers? And how do I stop servicing the customers that I'm losing money on? Create the Next is brought to you by Pro CFO Partners, who believe every business deserves to work with an expert CFO to guide its success. Pro CFO Partners are expert financial officers networked across industries, verticals, specializations, and situations. Fulfilling the role of a part-time CFO with all-time commitment, Pro CFO Partners utilizes the innovative and exclusive FGC financial flywheel as a framework that creates momentum to drive your financial functions for sustainable success. Visit ProCFOPartners.com to explore how we can implement a systematic and scalable financial system to help you achieve your goal. ProCFOPartners.com Where do you feel like, um, I wonder if a sixth C for you would be culture, or is that assimilated into some of these other spots, or for you is that not one of the Cs? Because uh, as you're as you're sharing, uh, I feel like uh, customer excellence or service excellence, as you said, let's keep the ones that we have and maybe maybe find new ways to do business with them. That's that's That can't be on accident. That has to be something that you've worked and, and thought through and processed and systematized inside your organization to be, uh, you know, excellent in, in, in that space. Is that a cultural aspect from where you sit or how does, how should I be thinking about culture in my organization in this context? Well, I think culture is the umbrella over all of these issues. No matter how great the idea is, you have to have your people that, help execute on whatever the strategy and the plan is. But I don't agree with management teams that say, my people are my greatest asset. Mm. Your good people are your greatest asset. Mm. There are some people that perhaps shouldn't be in your organization. I'm not saying to willy-nilly go out and fire people because if they have institutional knowledge, you really want to cultivate that. But you need a human resources strategy that looks at somebody's performance and says, how can I make them better? Are they in the the wrong department? How can I perhaps put them on a cross-functional team that would better utilize the assets and skills they have? What kind of training am I going to do? What are my superstars that I have to give special attention to so I can breed them to be the upcoming management for the firm? All that feeds into what the culture is as an organization. And I think the easiest way to get a handle on culture is a one-sentence questionnaire, anonymous questionnaire to your employees. It said, would you recommend a family member or friend to work at our firm and get that feedback? And I find that sometimes is amazing how people think sometimes a management team thinks they're doing a great job and that number comes in at 20%. So maybe the culture that they have really isn't optimal and they've created this mist of culture. But culture, you're absolutely right, Chris, oversees, overrides all five of those other C's. You know, I thought uh, that that management teams or leaders get frustrated um, with some of the things you're sharing, and for me, that suggests a perspective where culture happens from the bottom up, 
that if we only had these people, things would work out. And I, I think that's wrong. I think culture works from the top down. And if you aren't, as a leadership team, specifying some of these things, and I love the way that you're sharing, here's an easy way to start that conversation. You can't possibly expect your organization to just magically uh, figure it out. And that leads me to a, a thought about just this phrase or this term, vision of success. For me, uh, there's trepidation sometimes when leaders think that means uh, an inspirational poster that we're going to put on the wall or a huge, you know, uh, succinct phrase that we're going to spend the next four months and three consultants working on that a year from now, nobody will even remember that we did, but it feels good in the moment. We've got a lot of good busy work in the moment that feels productive, but it isn't really changing the dynamics of the company. Can you just break down this whole idea of vision of success? What do you mean? And what should I mean in my organization when I'm really starting to break down the what and the why is this important for me? I think it's key that you there is power in simplicity. And when I work with management teams and help them come up with their vision of success, I ask them that they put it in writing and with a maximum of 500 words. This isn't a catchy phrase, but it's simplicity. You're empowering your team and the messaging if you can simplify it. Some people say, oh, it's only 500 words. The Bill of Rights, the Ten Commandments, and a Gettysburg Address. Power <laughs> documents are all less than 500 words. Great. The discipline of having a management team put it on a piece of paper causes them to ask more questions. It's much easier to write 2,000 words than it is 500 words. But when you put the discipline of, okay, let's look at our five Cs. Let's find out where are we going as an organization and then simply put it down at 500 words or less the dialogue to create the 500 words. You know, President Eisenhower said that the, the process, the value in planning is in the questions you have to ask to create the plan, not in the plan itself. The questions causes your management team to really get a dialogue going amongst themselves. But you can't do this in an academic tower. You can't have the president, the CFO, chief operating officer come up with this. You want to reach down into the organization and get, make people feel like they're part of the process, because then when you want to implement the change, you need the management team to work with all of the people to implement change. And all, whenever there's change, there's always some hesitancy on this part of, a, of an employee team. How is this going to impact me? The way you overcome that is to explain to them why the status quo is not an acceptable situation, why the status quo will no longer be available. This is the change that we're trying to implement. And this change is going to have to improve the way we operate. And this is how it's going to make your organization and your job better. Bob Iger, the CEO of D Disney for 15 years, said it best. He said, in talking about strategy, the riskiest thing we can do is try and maintain the status quo. Mm -hmm. Our customers and our markets are so dynamic that if we just status quo, we're on the road to going out of business. Roy, this is uh, incredible uh, uh, insight and advice that you're sharing. Do you feel like, because um, one of the things you're sharing is the companies that you work with, and I wouldn't necessarily expect that my CFO, Roy is a CFO here at Pro CFO Partners, would be uh, such a wealth of, of uh, practical guidance in this situation, what should I be expecting from uh, the players that I already have in the room, one, when it comes to this uh, sort of process, this vision of success? And will I have an easier, better, or smoother, or faster time if I uh, bring somebody else 
from outside who can help me shape this, who does this very well, and and I don't need to stumble around trying to figure it out. They can kind of help guide guide what we're doing. Is that, from your perspective, a smart move to make or or an efficient move to make? Well, it depends on the skill set of the management team you have. The the outside expert generally to be effective, you're not showing up with the answer mm. because to implement whatever plan or vision of success you come up with, you have to have buy-in from the management team to help on the execution of the plan. So the outside expert or the CEO, CFO has to know what are the questions to ask. And in asking the questions, sometimes the silos of rigidity start to come down because people feel part of the process. They're forced to think a different way and they get some collaboration going. And it's answering the questions that the facilitator brings to the management team. That's how the solution gets created. But just as important, that gets the buy-in on whatever the solution is to then say, let's go, let's go do, do this. So if you honestly look at your management team and say, we don't have the skill set to facilitate this vision, then we have to go outside the organization and bring in some, some, someone else. Roy Reinecker, partners, his five C's, everybody, write them down. Customers, company, competitors, collaborators, and the content. What are you actually doing? And um, Roy, this has been just a powerhouse conversation this morning. I can't wait to have you back and we can dig more into some of these things. And if uh, if listeners out there are struggling with some of this, good thing you've got a cool website you can just jump over to and, and inquire because uh, Roy or others on the team would, would be a valuable asset for you. Roy, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you this morning. Thanks for all of your generosity with your expertise and with your advice. Um, looking forward to talking again soon. All right, Chris. Thank, thank you. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to our subscribers. Consider becoming one today. Visit ProCFOPartners.com and learn how we can help you build a framework for financial management and growth.